Hey guys, welcome. Today, uh, today is a special one for us here at the, at the podcast. Today was the first first guest we've had on, and my longtime friend Gareth doused on. Uh, Gareth is a, a real estate agent. Um, he's got a couple of young kids. He's he's my age. He's just figuring stuff out as he goes. Uh, we had a really really good conversation, probably around the hour and a half mark. And you know, it's. I'm probably not the person to to have a big takeaway from it because I know him and I sort of understand him. Did you did you get anything from yeah, it, Rick? The biggest takeaway was is that he's he's honest with people about who he is and what he wants, and he looks after others the way he wants to be looked after himself. So a good, kind-hearted man with a great story. Great story. He's uh, you know, he's he's, yeah, he's constant, constantly trying to get better at what he does and, and you know and, and what Prove he can do craft. for his clients yeah so really good talked with him and we, we did talk a lot about about real estate stuff we talked a lot about sport and and then we sort of i suppose delved into him and and sort of the things that make him who he is and and how he sort of you and know how he's worked stuff on out and yeah, how he's yeah, worked and, on improving himself and, yeah. s- and selling himself to everybody yeah so so we had a really good conversation hope you enjoy it and uh yeah Thanks. Figure it out. So it's basically three words, but we are going to treat it as if it's one word, because that's how you say it. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. You want something, go get it. The effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Dun, dun, dun. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. But I left that bit in at the start. And it makes it. Yeah, it makes it. Makes experience. the song. Makes the start. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we've got my friend Gareth, longtime friend Gareth, in uh, in the studio with us today, uh, and we're going to do our very best to to pick apart some habits that he has, uh, take a bit of his story, and and just sort of distill what we can out of it. I suppose yeah. is is the goal today. So we're gonna uh, you're gonna be our little guinea pig today, Gareth. Thanks, uh, thanks, Ricky. This is weird because we've got Ricky and Rick, and I've always called you Big Rick. Yeah. So I've now got to get used to you being. Yeah. So Ricky, he's not Rick. Big, yeah. yeah. Oh, Ricky. Don't, don't worry if you. If you I know. I've just seen. Just like the video. On Facebook. <laughs> yeah. The first initial video, we couldn't get the fucking thing right. <laughs> we are the worst. Mate. We I'm, are the worst. I'm, I'm privileged to be the uh, the first guest, and it's um. It's you know they say you got to start at the bottom and work your way up and that's I reckon that's fair enough you start yeah. with me. So oh no no we've definitely started mid range. <laughs> well and, and you don't look realistically it's sort of really good because I say we're all wearing pants normally this could have been the inaugural one so we've all forgotten pants it could have been, no, I think, been I really think bad that's for that. I just put shoes on because yeah, I figured the videos on and someone will start. go oh you're just sitting around in your socks. Well, that's to, it. to be fair I've dressed up I've you know I've got well, I haven't dressed up I've got my, the work. We well, got a collared shirt but, you're ahead of the head of the curve there. Uh, pineapple socks on. Yeah. It's got the pineapple socks. Got to have. It's the one bit of personality you can have in business is some some coloured socks. So. Yeah. We were just having this discussion uh, yesterday at work. Um, a guy I work with has a uh, a child that goes to a really strict Christian school. Yep. And and they were talking like they have like set hairstyles yeah. that boys oh, can't yeah. have. And and uh, and to the extent that girls are only allowed to wear green coloured hair ties. I said that must be the school uniform color yeah, or something. Yeah, and I said yeah. like when you're a kid at school, right? You got to wear a uniform. Fine. The la- there's there's two things you can control. One yeah. is your hairstyle. Yep. 
and second is your shoes. Yeah. Everything else, like you have, oh, and your school bag. Yeah. Just, well, half of them you got to buy the school bag that they provide. Yeah, especially oh, the private a lot schools. Of, lot, yeah, a lot of private schools oh, you do, yeah. Not yeah. us. We just go be dummies and buy $80 Smiggle. But that's oh. a, that is a raw at that shop, if ever I've seen one. Oh, God, yeah. A bit of profit margin in that. Yeah. I, I'm actually not against it. I, I sort of, um, obviously, you know, Rick and I, for year 11 and 12, we, we went to, I think they call it John Tonkin now, but it was a manager senior campus at the time. And up until that point, we always had school uniforms. So you had the school polo shirt and whatever. And as you say, you'd, you had your own shoes you picked and hair and whatever. But come year 11 and 12, and it's changed now, but at that time, you didn't have to have a uniform. It's the Wild West. Yeah. yeah. I had a tattoo. Yeah. just used to wear a singlet. <laughs> in year 11. Just. But it's, it was crazy. And I remember, um, and you talk about, you know, setting kids up on the right you know platform, things like that. I remember, you know, as a kid who maybe didn't have as such a privileged background and stuff like that, I remember being like, Oh, I haven't got the Billabong shirt, and I've got, the, and it's like it, that shouldn't be a thing for kids. And so yeah. I, I look at the the concept of uniforms, and you know, oh. if you've all got the same bag, you've all got the same hair, you've all got the same. I actually don't think that's a terrible thing necessarily. Yeah. It, gives you, it gives you a six hour break from bullying, doesn't it? Well, well, it wasn't. It wasn't so much. And I, you know, I never got directly bullied about the shirt I was wearing. But as kids, we all feel self conscious, and we want to fit in, and we want to be part of the crowd. And the cool kids are wearing the billabong shirt, so you want the billabong. Isn't it funny that that just scales yeah. now to an adult, where it's like, oh, they've got a Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, how, exactly. how, how yeah, good is it for as a parent? Because now you know everyone's a parent here. Yeah. Is that when you don't actually have to choose the clothes, the ch- clothes are chosen for you. Yeah. There's no option. Yeah. That's what you're wearing today. You don't have to go, oh, but I wore that black shirt yesterday. It's like, no, you didn't. You got another one looks the same. Yeah, but I'm going to wear it twice in a row. Yeah. It's like you get no choice. There's your shirt. There's your pants. There's your socks. There's your shoes. It just negates. The rubbish. I tell you what, kids are so much trendier now than we ever were, though. Like, I oh. go shopping, and and you know, Owen's for the most part a Kmart or a big W kid, or, you know. But she'll come home, and I'll go. That's an awesome. Like, I'd buy that shirt. I'd wear that shirt oh. if it came in my size. And he comes yeah. out in these trendy little get ups K- and Kmart and big W yeah. and all those places now. Good they good. rock their ads. Yeah. As an adult, when they have those ads come on, you watch them on TV. You go. Fuck, I want to go there and just shop. It's just, the ads are great. So, so the ads are working. Oh, the ads are working, yeah. <laughs> Has anyone uh, seen um, the ad that Big W have just been running on Facebook for uh, Bond's underwear for, for dads? No. No, it's just like a dude and he's like chiseled as fuck. Yeah, of course they are. he's like uh... standing out the back at a barbecue just in a pair of Bond's. Is like he? with a t- <laughs> Tom's. <laughs> the comment section is like 50% Horny old women. Like, uh-huh. yeah. Oh, that's not dad. That's daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and the other fifty percent are just like, oh yeah, real fucking realistic. Yeah, that's, hey, where's, that's, where's the dad bod? That's yeah. not a dad bod. Oh, that's it. Well, who was it? Um, was on uh, on one of the podcasts I listened to the other day. It was one of the one of the guys who was a he's a professional fighter, and he came on there and he sort of said, yeah, I was um ready to start doing some photo shoots, and I'm looking down, going. Oh man, I've got the dad bod and fighting a couple of weeks. So I gotta, I gotta get on the, get on the elliptical machine, and start crushing the sweat. Just, just knock, knock the edges off. Yeah, I just mean, to, get, to get rid of the extra fat content. How funny down. is it? Like you look at DC and and Roy Nelson, all these mm. like extreme oh. fighters, and just built like me. That's, yeah, yeah. Yep. The the craziest one for me is Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom. You if you yeah. go back, if you look at Tom Brady's draft combine, there's a video on YouTube. It is hilarious. Like he went like pick two hundred in the draft in the NFL. He was effectively not wanted, um, and he's become, uh, you know, probably not right. arguably the greatest quarterback of, yeah, all, time of all time in American football. But he, um, 
I forget where it was. Someone was talking about it and they said, you look at him and there's photos of him and his supermodel wife down the beach with his beautiful kids and all the rest of it. And you look at it and go, it's just, he looks like just he looks like a guy named Tom Brady. Yeah. He looks like yeah. a normal dude. And you're like, yeah. that He's guy's not- the best athlete. Of-. You look at some of these, you know, Conor McGregor. Mm. You look at oh, yeah. um, you know, any of these sort of guys oh, and you go, yeah. that guy's a fighter. That guy is a supremely tuned yeah. athlete. This person is going to... I remember um, Cheat Congo back in the day. Oh, and Jesus you know, Christ. You look at that guy and you're like, I am not getting in the ring. Yeah. This is not... You what about Uberim when Alistair Uberim yeah. was just on oh, the juice? Yeah. Imagine yeah. that dude walking into a closed space that they'd lock behind. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Lesnar. Yeah, yeah. another one. Lesnar hey, in his day, like, crossed is, the cage oh. like a bull. Yep, and he has that great big bloody knife oh, straight across his chest and just, like, covering. wide. Yep. yep. Vitor Belfort was the same when he had that dirty yeah, rat yep. mullet and he had that big dirty rat mullet. It's just like, he looks even more evil than he did before. It was like, whoa, you know? Mm. Just, yeah, they just... <laughs> I just had that sheer presence of like, just don't do it, man. Don't juice up. You make the rest of us look unreal. Oh, it's scary, isn't it? Like well, I, I couldn't think of anything worse. I was than, sitting, I was sitting that. in the crown because crown up in Perth, and there's all these big, massive guys just walking around. I'm just going, Jesus Christ! There's a hell of a lot of bloody fit-looking fellas here. And then all of a sudden, I started noticing him. It's like, oh yeah, it's a Sydney Swans football team. They're all just in this one hotel, and they're all start fiddling out, going. Because you can just say they're all in shorts and t-shirt, and it's a lot. They're all just built too big, too big for average people. So they can't have all these people all rocking up the gym at the same time, just yep. pumping, pumping. What? No, they all sounds like, oh yeah, oh no, there's Franklin. Oh, there's, oh yeah, just watch them all come out and go, yeah. yeah that, that's why the hotel's full of big, muscular, twenty-year-old guys. Penny drops. Yeah. <laughs> un- like, unfortunately, I don't get, um, I don't get paid to have a nutritionist and a personal trainer and a and yeah. a gym, but uh, that's okay. Some, yeah. Somebody to wake you up at six o'clock and go. It's time for me to take your uh, do your macros this morning to make sure what we need to feed you. I'll tell you what, one of the craziest podcasts, there's a great podcast that actually Nike do, it's called Trained, mm. and yeah. they do one with, um, what was the guy that played, uh, Michael B. Jordan, he played um, mm. uh, Creed's boy. Creed boy, yeah. yeah in, um, in the first Creed, and he, he literally, with his, and he's obviously pretty hardcore with his training and that, and he, his trainer had a key to his house to literally come in and drag him out of bed, like that's yeah. the sort of level... Yeah, no one, no one's doing that for me. But he oh. looked great, didn't he? Looked like a boxer. He like, put the work in. Yeah, yeah. For for an actor that, like, I mean, well, Will Smith was the same when he did uh, Ali. His his wife was yeah. sort of saying, you know, that they'd they'd have him up. He'd be jumping rope and he'd be running roads and he'd be doing all the stuff. And she just said, oh, I was very happy, very happy when he came home, looking the way he did from just from the from the movie. Oh, mate, added that, bonus. Uh, oh, mate, that plays Bane, uh, Tom Hardy again. Oh, just, Jesus Christ! When I, you know, like when he like because he did Bronson as well. It was like okay, we sort of want you to have like that, that sort of jail size, not like shredded, just like bulk, thick, scary, and it's just he's like I was eating like. I can't even. I can't even remember. Maybe sixteen or eighteen thousand calories a day, and work wow. just lifting for like hours and mm-hmm. hours, just big compound lifts, mm-hmm. just trying to get that real thickness. But that's the thing is, you, you know, like you you look at how they their bodies transform over time. You can't tell me they don't whack juicing. You know, they, right. they get they get twelve months to do a movie, and yeah, anyone that's been anyone that's done a, that's been done any sort of athletics realises that you can't put that sort of mass on. Well, you you got to be looking at the rock and thinking that, don't you? Oh, man, you he's juiced the shit out. You can't But it doesn't be, matter. You no, know, you can't. He's fucking mint. <laughs> you can't work like 90-hour weeks mm. and be in the gym for 18 hours a week and still 
like just be putting on masks, not looking tired. He's just a fucking good, big beast. Good on him. You know, as long as, oh. as long as you're not as long as you're not competing. If like if you're jumping in the ring and fighting someone, or if you're playing footy, but you know, okay, that's I don't agree with that. But as long as you're healthy and you're whatever, if your job is to look good for a movie and you want to juice out of your eyeballs, do well, it. Good on you. Yeah, well, absolutely. Here, well, here you can re- you can reverse it a little bit and say, okay, well, look at Tiger Woods. You know, undoubtedly one of the the greatest golfers we've had in such a long time. He suffered from all these back injuries. Now. Those guys are in the gym every day, yeah. you know, and you look at the size of him. He's still a fairly impressive size individual as in, in muscularity, mm. but he's not out of control. But those guys are in the gym five, six hours a day yeah. to protect their back, and yeah. he still had back issues, yeah. as, as so many other guys do, from you know, but then they can't protect it. But you look at these guys that they go from, like you look at The Rock sort of like say – when he, when he first got out of the WWE and went into sort of like started going to movies, he went yeah. into that one – it was more of a comedy one, but he's trimmed right down. He turned into a little skinny little guy. Just Is that the not... one with um, uh, John Travolta? What was yeah, that? that's that was, the one, um, yeah. It was... Be cool? Too yeah, cool? Yeah, something, something like that, like that. Oh, yeah. He was like and, the gay bodyguard. Yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah he, yep. he went down to sort of like, you know, probably maybe 120 kilos rather than 160 kilos. Okay. So, yeah. so he's only got 40 kilos or 50 kilos on me, not 100. That's <laughs> <laughs> and then, then he just, then you watch him for the movies as he went along, he just... He's just 270 pounds for a man like that. And look, he trains like a legend. I mean, there's no he doubt about it. But, but no, Jesus no. Christ. What a, buy, what, buy his shoes. What a lifestyle. But like, it must be exhausting. Like, oh. oh, I'm in China today, but I'll be back in the States tomorrow to yeah. another event. Plus, I'm going to go to the gym for two hours and yeah. this oh. and that. And yeah. I suppose that's the difference between private jets and I, being able to sleep over. Yeah, exactly. Over the ocean. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, you know, as all good young teenage boys did at time, I was so in love with the wrestling, and it's to to this day, it's still one of my guilty pleasures. That every now and then I'll sort of keep an eye. Oh, the Royal Rumble's coming up. Who's who's? And half the time I don't even know the wrestlers, but I'll still sort of read who's winning and what's going on. And but um, I, I've Best got a real, fun. Oh, I love it, and I've got a real soft spot for the Rock, just because I kind of feel like I, I liked him before everyone else did. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I think you forget how popular he yeah, was back then. Like he <laughs> oh. was, he was phenomenally popular. Um, but I mean, there was like, like in those days, like in the in the late nineties. Yeah, there was just like it was huge. It was huge. Yeah. Undertaker, Mankind, Kane. Like yeah. there was all these Steve sort of, Austin. Yeah, all these yeah. really big, oh, big names, big superstar. I tell you what, but the women of today's wrestling. <sighs> Dear Lord. Deal. <laughs> we we went to the wrestling. They had the wrestling in Perth. This must be probably at least ten years ago. We we went up for it. Right. What a freaking great night! That Triple H came over. Yeah. So anyway, and they had the um the the girls came on. I think the girls were the second last match, and these two girls came off, and they had they had a hair flick off. So one's on one side. You know, they've all got hairs. What's like a hair flick off? They have the hair down the middle of their back, and what they're doing is they're both they're both sitting there just roll, flipping their hair around right. so that the hair does a great big circle around. They're both just like going, they're having a hair flick off. <laughs> so who's got the greatest hair to flick around before they actually run there and go bang, lock up, and then do all yeah. the bits and pieces? And we're just laughing. And there was a couple of kids about two seats down from us, and we listened to them going, oh, yeah, well, you know what happened? Well, she got tapped up with him the other day, and just like, what's going to happen is they're bound it, cause, because she won't put up with that, because if she goes back home, and you listen to the story going, Jesus Christ, how, the, how are they working all this out? Because they've got the magazine there, yeah. and the magazine will tell you what happened on the light, last yeah. fight card, and then, yeah. of course, then they, then they, they get online, they take that in, they look at what happened. Oh, there's man. A, there's a storyline to everything. Deep. Oh, it's so... <laughs> it's so stupid. It is. Oh. But, I mean, there's, you know... 
Dana White has basically stolen the business model off Vince McMahon because yeah. you can't tell me that these guys actually, you know, like some of the, and I'm sure a lot of it happens. You put two big egos in a room, there's going to be, you know, sparks, but Boom. most of these guys get along. But yeah. but it sells tickets to say that you don't get along and talk oh. smack and... Well, Conor McGregor's made it happen, hasn't he? He is the king of talking clean smack. What yeah. what he did when he was fighting um, Mayweather was extraordinary. Well, because, he earned himself $100 million. That's what he did. Yeah. And the thing is, he could have beaten the shit out of Mayweather in a UFC bout. Yeah. And and he's, he's going along and he's touching his head and he's smacking on the bum and it's just like... Oh, you know, we're not pretending he's going to smack him on the ass and stuff like that. And it's just like, oh, man, it's just, it'd be driving Mayweather absolutely mad thinking, I could punch the crap out of you, but all you do is See, I'm, just... I'm, I'm too much of a cynic. I, I, would, I would bet substantial chunks of money that that entire thing, it was like, okay, Mayweather's people, McGregor's people, they sit down and say, right, we got this idea. Let's be real. We know you've got our measure in the boxing ring and we know that we would probably kill you in an MMA ring. That's okay. We think... There's a really good opportunity for both of us to make a lot of money here. Yeah. Oh, Here's yeah. how it's going to go. Here's the plan. Here's the tour we're going to do. He's going to say this. You're going to do that. He's going to do this. And you could literally script it out word for word. And then, okay, maybe the boxing itself was was legit. Maybe it wasn't. Who knows? And well, frankly, it, who cares? It didn't. We didn't. We get a check. We watched it, didn't we? <laughs> like, yeah. Just, <laughs> and we're just like, what the fuck is but going on? But like here? they, when they did, I think at one point they went to the UK and they they certainly flew you know around America and that doing the yeah. tour and they were doing the different cities and talking smack and press conferences. Mayweather and McGregor were on the same plane. Yeah. Yeah. Oh look, I mean, you you, you couldn't know, be. Come on, guys. Yeah, and they must have just been sitting at the back, just having a, yeah. probably having a as a professional or whatever he's just trying to sell now. Ten thousand dollars on random yeah. shit. Yeah. Reckon I can get this peanut M M&M and M down there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, as, as a professional athlete, you can't not marvel at somebody else. I mean, they they all work so hard, and everyone appreciates the skill they get. I mean, yeah. even even something like swimming. You know, like Michael Phelps. The greatest swimmer in history. Yeah. Like you couldn't marvel, even if you if you weren't interested in swimming, just to go and sort of say, look at the stuff you've yeah. done. All yeah. these freaking medals that just keep rolling in every year, and it's just like you give up for a bit, you come back, and you yeah. crush it again. It's like. Well, I think you were talking earlier about Tiger Woods, and um, as a, a golf tragic, that anyone that knows me knows I am, and I um, it was about three o'clock in the morning uh, in April. It would have been watching the Masters when Tiger had that huge yeah. comeback and won the Masters, and I uh, um. Was sort of at this point, I think Tiger was up by a couple or one, and they get to the, it must have been the sixteenth, I think, to par three at Augusta there, and he hits his shot, and everyone, and it looked, you know, pitched perfectly, spun back beautifully, you know, he basically won the won the the jacket at that point, and um, and I was sort of looking, I was like, that's Michael Phelps, and literally standing right behind the tee box watching all the golfers, and none of the commentators even really mentioned it, and I think it came out a day later that someone had posted a photo or something, yeah, but I picked it live, I was like, that's. That's, and he was just in the crowd, just yeah. watching. Well, Phel- Phelps, uh, he went on the Haney report, which was Tiger's old coach. Yeah, he, and, and 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 uh, yeah. and he actually took took him on, and actually so he had to go. I can't remember how long the Haney report went for. It might have been like three or four episodes or something, where he actually took on Phelps, taught him how to play golf because Phelps yeah, okay. loves playing golf anyway. Yeah. And uh, this is how cool it was. He um he actually the first the first swing that he had, and he's and he Haney says to him, Michael, what are you doing? He said. I'm just controlling controlling my swing. He said, you're Michael Phelps. You're the greatest swimmer of all time. Go after the ball like you want it. Have a go. And he's like, oh. He said, yeah. 
Go after it. Swing after it. And that, that was that's how we started saying to Phelpsy, if you want to hit the ball a long way, man, this, this, this 85 kilometers an hour thing, that ain't going to get you there, brother. You've got to go after it. And it was beautiful to listen to Hank Haney sort of talk about it. I only saw a couple of episodes of the of the Haney report, and it was just, it was great watching big Phelpsy at whatever tide he is, like six foot five, six foot six, just wow. Yeah, good to work. Oh, yeah. He's a he's magnificent. What a, what a legacy. Yeah. Him. Yeah. You know, you talk about all the legacies, I and mean, you go back through all through time. You go through, start off with the earliest ones that I can think of. There's plenty more, but, you know, Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, start coming forward. The more and more and more, the Conor McGregor's and stuff, the, the legacy they will leave in their sports. Wayne Gretzky, you know, yep. Tom Hardy. Just, there's so many guys. You know, Antonio Brown. Yep. You, you run, well, at a, oh. at, a, at a local level, Polly Farmer passed away yeah, recently. Yeah, you know, like sad was, news they, for football, you know, Jesus. Um, and again, it's before our time, but they, um, they, they say that pretty much before him, no one handballed in a in an offensive manner. Yeah, you know he sort of saw an opportunity to use the handball as, um, you know, quick handball, get the game moving, get it out quicker, and he was able to do that quicker than kicking it. Yeah, and you know the legacy he's got on the game now is the the whole game has changed because of what he did in the the fifties or sixties, I guess it would have been. Yeah, and I so say a legend, legend for all time, you know. And every every sport will, will have one that somebody will just remember. Obviously, now we've got. Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and and that sort of thing, you know. And look, you know, my favorite. I just love Jordan Spieth to be yeah. that guy going for. I don't yeah. think he's. I don't think he has when he won that first first jacket. It was like, oh, I like you, come on, boy. But he's just he's lost his game a bit. Hasn't he, he has lost a bit, and I was hoping he would be one of those guys coming forward because I just loved his speech for the very first time when he took the green jacket. It was just like his speech was worth like, man, you're 22. Yeah, you've handled that. Just but see, McElroy is the same. There's a, and unfortunately, there's a lot of pressure on those guys. And Kepka now a lot of pressure on mm. them because we've we've seen Tiger Woods win. What's he on? Eighty three PGA Tour oh. victories or something ridiculous. And um, he's on fifteen majors now. He's chasing Nicholas's eighteen. Yeah. Um. And so we're used to. And as fans, I guess we we almost want to see dominance. Yeah. So we're sort of going, okay, we want to see another Tiger. We want to see someone dominate. Um. And he was a, so close to Jack's record, and you think. Would you want Jack to be beaten because he was he was such a gentleman yes. of the sport? But, yes, undoubtedly. But, but yeah, but because he was also also old school as well. Yeah. Whereas now, I mean, at the start, here's here's my opinion. I reckon Tiger was the most boring golfer of all time. No, per, no personality. Like interview was just dead. Yeah. And as he got further along, you'd see him really like Leighton Hewitt style ripping up like, come on! Yeah. And you think, there it is. Thank God you've finally turned into the golfer we'd hope you'd be. Not just a great golfer, but somebody who's a presence out there and go. You want to follow him. Something's going to happen here. Yeah. Not just a great golf shot. Well, they always saying golf. Um, Tiger doesn't move the needle. Tiger is the needle. You know, yeah, he's, and he's, fair dinkum. That's a good call. Yeah, so loved it. Legacy. Funny, funny thing. While we're on it, let's, uh, Dusty. I want. I want to ask you a question. It's a question that I, uh, I thought about. It's my only original question that I come up without. Come up with without Rick. Okay. What does legacy look like to you? And and I want to ask this in two parts. What did it look like to you as a kid? And uh, and what does it look like to you now that you, you know, you you've got two two beautiful kids, you're married, you at that point in your life where you sort of go one way or another. What what does a legacy look like to you now? So the the only preparation I've done for this podcast was I I messaged I was going to call you Rick Ricky. I, I messaged Big Rick last night and I said, what's the go? Is there anything I need to be thinking of or whatever? He said, no, no, we'll just come down for a chat or whatever and, you know, you can talk, you'll be fine. Um, and uh, and he said, but 
have a think about this. And he just sort of that, that one into question. A text. Yeah, yep. And so I, I gave it, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes of thought, just sort of mulling it over my head. And it was interesting. I When I was a bit younger, um, I certainly didn't have a terrible childhood or anything like that. But mum and dad split up when I was seven, I think. And, um, you know, the drama that's associated with that and families and all the fun stuff mm. that, that you can talk about all day. And um, we certainly weren't... Uh, we didn't want for anything. I never went hungry. I never didn't have clothes or anything like that. But we certainly weren't wealthy. You know, we didn't... I wouldn't consider us rich or anything like that. And I've always loved... Um, always loved watches. You know, and I, I like nice things. I like nice cars. I like nice watches. I like all that sort of stuff. And at, at a younger age, um, you sort of... You look... Oh, love that Rolex, I love this, I love... And I don't know how old I would have been. I must have been, I don't know, 16 or something, maybe 15. And I bought a magazine. It was like a GQ, you know, one of those sort of, you know, just airy-fairy. I think it might have been something to read on a, a lunch break at work or whatever. It was probably Ralph. Probably yeah. Ralph, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zoo. Zoo or Ralph. Was... No, I think, well, the, the advertisement that's in it would suggest that it probably wasn't Ralph, but it was... um. <laughs> There's a there's a watch brand and they make some incredibly expensive watches and it's um, Patek Philippe and um, they run a campaign and it was uh, you you never own a Patek you merely look after it for the next generation and it was just this ad and it's like the super cool looking the the model would have been in his mid thirties super cool looking dude you know and he's out there with his you know, cool-looking toddler son, and I think they might have been polishing like an old Jaguar E-Type or something. Oh, you can imagine the sort of ad that it was. Yeah. And in fact, oh. like, I Googled that line really quickly and I found it. I, you know, this is the research I've done. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of like, I remember just being like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I'd, I'd love a, I'd love a Patek. And when I was younger, I sort of looked at it and went, oh, like that... That's the legacy I'd like. I'd love to leave a nice watch and be able to hand it on to my son. And I don't even know. They'd, they'd have to be in the tens of tens of thousands of dollars for this for this watch. Oh yeah. And it's and you sort of when I was younger and aspiring to and don't get me wrong, I still aspire to ridiculous things. But when I was younger, I sort of that would be what I would consider a legacy. As dumb as that sounds, like I sort of I didn't know much about it, so you just sort of look at it. And then as a as a parent now and with the benefit of... And I still like nice watches, but I, I don't own expensive watches. I don't have... I think the most expensive watch I've got is like a $340 Seiko or something. And I love the watch. It's a beautiful watch. Looks cool. Tells the time. Um, you know, and, and I still look at the Rolexes and stuff in the window and I go, oh, that's pretty awesome. But I think even if, even if I had the spare cash sitting there, I, I don't think I'd go and blow 10 grand on a watch or something. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, you've, got to, you've got to reach that spot and go... No, nah, that's it. I've got to. I've got to. So it's like a car. You walk past the car and you look at it and go, oh, wow. And it's sometimes yeah. it's just that colour. It's not the car. Yeah. The colour drags you in, then you get there and you start touching it and you sit inside it and go, oh, shit. Uh-huh. I've, got to, I've got to have this now. Yeah. It's a have that moment. Yeah. yeah. So, and, but it's, yeah, when I was younger, I was sort of something as stupid as that ad sort of resonated as, oh, I'd love to do that one day. I'd love to hand a watch on. I'd love to leave a legacy. or Maybe not leave a legacy. I probably didn't think of it in those terms. But um, but now I look at it and I sort of go, I've, I couldn't care less about leaving Owen watches and stuff. And, 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 and if there's stuff of mine that he wants one day when I depart this earth, then he's more than welcome to have it. And I hope, you know, between him and Emily, they, they can fight amongst themselves. But... Um, I think instead now I look at it and go, 
there are there are things that, and I'm only 31. I'm 32 in October, and I'm certainly not you know old and wise or anything like that. Um, but I, there are things now that you sort of go. I don't know, the penny sort of just drops a little bit and you go, that stuff's not important, this stuff is, you know, and um, little things like I've, um, over the last couple of years, um, and look, I'll never be Hulk Hogan, I'm not a big guy, I'm not a, you know, that's never going to be me, but I've got more into my, my training and stuff like that and, and with a mate of ours, mutual mate of ours, Jimmy, and he, um, uh, not that I've trained with him for a while now, he's moved up to Perth, but um, I sort of found that for me, going and training in the morning and, getting, you know, whether it's lifting weights, going for a run, doing whatever, um, what that did to my, it sounds almost cliche saying it, but the mental health side, like it just cleared my head. It, I just felt good. It wasn't, you know, and it might have taken a couple of weeks or a month or whatever before I got into it, but I just felt good. Mm. Um, and I look at it and go, like I want to leave a, a legacy of, you know, to, to my kids of, um, you know, do what you love, chase your, like Owen's obsessed with music and sport and stuff and if, and if he wants to do it, that's amazing. Like, I hope he pursues it, and I hope he's fortunate enough to have, um, you know, some, whether it's a job or whatever you want to call it, but something you know, that, he, that he loves. Yeah. yeah. Um, I sort of was a little bit different. I, I wasn't um, – I was a reasonably handy junior golfer, but certainly not at the level of, um, of some of the other guys I played with. And I, was, I always sort of joke I was, I was good enough to make the state squads when they used to pick. 25 kids but I was never good enough to make the state team when they narrowed it down to seven or eight that was sort of where I sat back in the day um and so like for me that never became an option as a as a career path or anything like that um and instead it's become a a hobby that I still enjoy to this day but I look at it and go well I hope I hope he can you know have opportunities to to pursue his passions and and find himself and I don't know, just stuff like that. That to me is more interesting it's, than. It's funny when you realise that a watch doesn't buy that doesn't shit. Doesn't mean anything. And no. do you know what? And I, and I thought about this last night, and it's probably not something I've ever really thought about. But with the benefit of a bit of maturity and hindsight and whatever it is, you sort of go, "It was never about the watch. It was about the freedom that comes with. I've got lots of money, and I can splash ten and, grand on a watch." Yeah. Like, you know, we, we've had this discussion a bunch of times. You. you like marketing is fucking great for it. It's like, oh, oh this dude's made it. Yeah, he's set up. He's yep. got a nice car. He's mm. got a great watch. Everything's going really well for him. Then yep. you get to our age and go, oh, that dude's a model. He was probably paid thirty dollars yeah. an hour, like yeah, to do that. Cars rented. Yeah, like you know, you sort and of look. You know, we we all, and I'm in real estate, and I mean, I, I see it a lot, and and maybe not as much in Mandurah where I am, but certainly in Perth and stuff like that, and. Everyone's got a Range Rover. It's on a lease, and they've they've got the the Rolex, um, you uh-huh. know, Submariner that they they, uh, you know, some of them were in fakes because they've got to fake it till they make it. And, yeah. and I, I don't know. I just maybe once upon a time I would have gone, oh yeah, I've got to have the Range Rover. I've got to have this. And don't get me wrong, I'd still love to be in one of those cars. But I just, I don't know. It's not as important as it as I thought it was yeah, when like, I was younger. I drove that Mustang that we uh, that we borrowed. So we have a. Uh... You know, we have a mate that is he's a uh, he's a car dealer, and and we borrowed a, a really like when I say really nice, I mean like seventy thousand dollar car. Never there's, ever driven anything that expensive. There's a chop shop still, got as a car dealer, or yeah, well, <laughs> who cares if it was his car? Right? Let's not get into the semantics. But anyway, driving that car, look, you can you, fucking cool. Oh, mm. feel like a Yes, like my windows down, just like 
And then you'd like catch yourself. You're like, oh, I've got to take this back. <laughs> and it's like really good for an afternoon. Yeah. Really fucking fun. You give it a little bit here, a little bit there. Sound system's great. And then it's like, okay, I drive an $1,800 car. <laughs> $1,800 car. How your, much? Your work basher. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's fine. It's one of the best cars I've owned. The car I had before uh, was... Was you know I think I paid uh, five hundred bucks for it. The one before that I paid seven hundred and fifty dollars for. So you splashed out for the eighteen hundred. I did of uh, stuff and just just getting up on that social ladder a bit. And you know what? Um, I just said to Jess um, the other day we were talking like the car payment coming out. I was just like, why can't we both just drive shitty cars? And she's like, we used to. We got this, and now we don't want it. Yeah. And it's just. You know, like, I don't know how much money I would have to make to feel comfortable buying a $70,000 car. It'd be a lot. It'd have to be a lot. And and you could say the same with, I mean, I've heard people say, you know, I've I've mentioned I've got a $300 and something dollar Seiko. Well, if I earn three extra zeros on my salary, that becomes a $300,000 watch. Yeah. And it means the same. Yeah. Still tells the same time. No, no, but like in terms of, in relation to what you're just, earning yeah, and stuff, so I, I can see how, you know, some of these fortunate, you know, and and whether they're business people or whatever, like some of these, I can see how there's a market for those sort of products. But equally, I'm at a point in life where I sort of just don't care. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you, man. We're all about uh... <laughs> simple things in life are often the best. Yeah, because we we are so conditioned. You know, ads like that when you're 16, 17 might drive you to a certain path that you sort think, of car you want to drive, and all those sort of things. Yeah. You get sucked into this idea of, you know, why we're here, and it's and it's this materialistic thing. And then something happens when you. Like when you have the, kids, the new model when comes you hit out, 30, girl, doesn't mean well, it. It, it's just when you get older, you sort of hit this point. I, I think well, I, I'm a firm believer of you sort of go one of two ways you keep buying into it and materialistic and keeping up with the Joneses and all this sort of shit, or you go, Well, this is a bit ridiculous, let's uh try and do this instead. And whatever this is, whether this is. You know, we all sort of start to do it when it's, oh, I'm not going to the nightclub this weekend. Or, you know, and we sort of just, you sort of start going a different way away from society and you often find more peace, it seems to me. Like, yeah. I mean, it's worked for me. It's been, you know, a weight's been lifted off my shoulders going from, you know, a hundred plus thousand dollars a year to, you know, high 60s suits me perfectly. It's mm. all this less money. And I've just got all this more time to do shit I like. Mm. And yeah. I think that's all you can hope for your kids. You know, it's... it's. What's well, uh, Look, at the end of the day, you just want them to be happy and healthy and to pursue whatever it is they want to pursue, you know, yeah. and, and you give them the, the best opportunity to do that, you know, and, and the rest will, you know... That, and look, you know, I mean, if you'd have sat down... If if 31-year-old Gareth could sit down with 15-year-old Gareth and, and try and... He wouldn't fucking listen. Nah. There's no hope. He'd just go, whatever, dickhead, shut up. Yeah, what, you don't know. old man with your white hair. That's your... <laughs> actually... You don't know. That's a really... Uh, a, another funny point that you've brought up there, talking about talking to your younger <laughs> self. We we did have that question written down. Yeah. Oh, did you? Okay. We did. And then we sort of stopped at the full stop and went, let's ask this a different way. Okay. What advice would you give to older Gareth? 
40 years from now, 30 years from now, you're in your 60s, you're just about to retire. What's, what's, uh, what's that's a, one? That's a question I haven't heard before. Yeah, what's, what's one bit of advice you would like to let older Gareth know? Not to lose, not to, not to not forget to, about. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if this is necessarily a bit of advice for old Gareth, um, but it's something I think of a bit now. Like, I, I hope I'm one of those. I hope I'm one of those old guys that people walk past and go, well, "He's he's a creepy fit old dude." Like I like not that creepy that sounds funny. But <laughs> no, but like you, like I see guys at the gym who are probably in their eighties, and they look sixty five, and I look at that and go, "That's fucking awesome." Yeah, yeah. it's great. Um, and there's one of the one of the things that sort of prompted me, if you like, into I literally just out of the blue reached. I was, you know, just. Not that I wasn't happy, but there's a few things going on in life and I just wanted to, um, I suppose especially with Owen recently, or he wasn't recently born, but at some point when Owen was, was little, littler, um, I don't know, like my health became more important to me in terms of you can say your family's your number one priority, you can say your you know your work, your friends, whatever, but if it's if your health isn't your number one priority, nothing else matters. If, if, I, if I'm not here, I can't, be of benefit to Owen. Yeah. I can't help him. I can't. And so I sort of had this this thing of, and I wasn't unfit, you know, I wasn't overweight or anything like that. It was like, okay, I, I want to take this more seriously. I want to try and eat a bit healthier. I want to do this. And that was what prompted me to sort of reach out to Jimmy. And um, there was a, as, as YouTube does, it, it's um, the algorithm does its thing and it says, oh, well, you've been listening to Joe Rogan and you like this and you've looked at this video of sport and you've, and they put this video in front of me and I just clicked on it and it was a, um, like an illustrator had had done this funny little thing over the top of a Joe Rogan monologue, basically, and he said, um, you know, the idea of are you living life optimally? You know, these people go, oh, we're going to die anyway. What's the point of going to the gym? And we, go, oh, what's, oh, you know, you know, it's all stuff. Doesn't matter. But instead, it's like, well, hang on, you know, if you do go to the gym, if you do get fit, and if you do, you know, enjoy, like, it makes me feel good. Like, if I don't. If I if I'm busy or if I can't go to the gym or something, I, I feel sh- like I have a crap day. I don't, and I'd, I'd like to think that I'm still active. I'm still because I've got this theory that I think physical activity first thing in the morning does something to your brain. I think it engages your brain, it switches it on, and I'm a far better person at eight a.m. in the morning when I walk into work if I've been to the gym that morning as opposed to rolling out of bed at seven thirty, having a quick shower and rolling into work. Um, mm, dead set. And, and and I just I I hope that as I get older, that's not that enthusiasm and that you know that I wouldn't call it a passion necessarily, but that enthusiasm for um you know for for being active and and things. I hope I don't lose that, and I don't think I will because I'm a tragic, I'm an absolute sports nuffy in every sense of the word: cricket, footy, golf, rugby, soccer, you know, lawn bowls. I don't care. I'll watch it. I'm and I'm just I'll get into anything. Um, and I, I love my my one half day off a week that I take. I get out and play eighteen holes of golf, and it's that's my sort of four or five hours away where I get to. That's my little zen moment, if you like, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think I'll lose it, but I I would be disappointed if I didn't remind myself to to stay, you know, somewhat active. And I think whether it's your brain or your body or anything, I'm a big believer of you you use it or you lose it. Yeah, your body, your body stops if you give it a chance. Yeah, and, and same with your mind. I, I remember seeing a thing on ABC or something, and they said our generation, there, there's 
someone had these concerns for our generation in terms of memory. You know, um, what was your phone number as a kid? Nine five three one three four five nine. Okay, what's my mobile number? Zero four three one two five three two six three. I'll pay that. I didn't expect you to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know like the, you could go to like I know a handful of mobile numbers. I don't know most of them though, because technology is such that I don't ring. You know zero four three one. I just go to my phone and push call. It's evolution. Yeah, it's evolution. Yeah. It's it's the reason we don't need to send letters anymore. Yeah. We can send emails. Yeah. It's the reason we don't need to call from a payphone because we can. Because it's mobile. the travel, you yeah. know, like this. Of course. But it's that use it or lose it. If you're not actively remembering phone numbers, your body doesn't remember them. Yeah. It doesn't but need it's to. Like, sort of yeah. thing. It's anything, isn't it? There is there's so much there, like names, yep. faces, people, memories. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm shocking with names and I try so hard to not be, especially in my job. But I remember... I remember people, I remember the stories, remember the houses they've bought or what, like I remember, oh, that's right, your wife does this and your dad did that and this happens here and you bought this house and I remember all of that and as soon as there's a, like I sort of go back through my notes, like, oh, John, John, that's right, g'day, John. But for me, that's the that's the one thing I have to work hardest on is that I remember faces but not names as much. Yeah, it's always it's always difficult. You meet so many, so many people. Well, it's, it's hard for me because quite often they'll meet you know, two or three real estate agents and I'm meeting 150, you know, potential clients in a, a period of time or whatever and you just, you know, and initially just the numbers you, don't, yeah. don't work. And you'd have a lot of phone contact as well. You might yeah. you might, you might, might meet them for the first one, look at a house and then you might not just see them for another three months because it's just the wheeling and dealing happens. It's yep. like, oh, we need to catch up and sign some paperwork. Well, then it's like, oh, shit, I actually haven't seen your face for a few weeks. Well, it's look, just like putting it all together again, yeah. yeah. And look, there are, there are sellers that I've literally never met in person. I've, I've sold properties. A bloke in, lived in London, never met him in person. I had to get his ID verified. I had to get him to go to the Australian consulate to, to prove he Do was. Do all the bits and pieces, yeah. Yeah, because obviously we can't, you know, we, we're going to list and sell a property. We need some sort of proof that you actually own it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, definitely there's, there's people that we, um, technology is such that signing paperwork and, um, getting deals done and stuff. It's I've sold houses to people that have bought it sight unseen without actually walking yeah. into the house and stuff, and that blows me away because I wouldn't do it. I'd want to go and see the house first. Yeah, um, but some people do, and that's fine. Oh, so look, I'm not look, say no to them. Looking on the internet and trying to find your find your dream home. I mean, I get you can be triggered to go. That's exactly what we want, but yep. you don't want to go there and, and look next door and go, what? Yeah, what the fuck? And is look, that? ultimately, all we're trying to do with with marketing and, and with advertising is to try and. Um, generate that phone call or generate that inquiry. I, you know, when I list a property on rewood.com, I'm not trying to get you to buy it. I'm trying to get you to go, well, that's interesting. I wonder, you know, I wonder what, else what, you I wonder what school catchment it falls into. I'll yep. ring the real estate agent and then, you know, hi, you know, Rick, thanks for your call. Yeah, look, it falls into Southall's head. Oh, great. Well, that's the school I want my kids to go to. Great. Yeah, no drums. Would you like to come and have a look at it? Oh, yeah, that'd be good. It's not about selling it to you with that ad. It's about, Pick, you know, making the phone call and the and the first contact, and then from the contact we show you the house, and then maybe it suits you, maybe it doesn't. It's um, but you yeah. build a, you build a relationship, don't you? You can build a relationship build with somebody. Rapport. Just yeah, that's it. And yeah. just get get involved and go. This is good. And so in your in your business, and it's so nice to actually be able to make so many contacts because you might not want them for a house, but you might want them to say, oh, so you're a chiropractor. Mm. You wouldn't believe this. I haven't got anyone. So like. You know, can I book an appointment? That that's just how it works, isn't yeah. it? It's just nice yeah. if you can have a wide Pe- network. People deal with people they know and they like. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. And, like I do a lot of home opens and stuff, and um, one of my my big sources of meeting 
new sellers is to is to meet them at a home open. You know, I might have a home open in Madura Bay. They wander in, say good day, you get their name and phone number, you build a you know, quick little bit of rapport in a couple of minutes, and um, I might sort of say to them, "Well, you know." Rick, what, what brings you out today? Are you, are you looking to buy a house? Are you thinking? Of, um, are you looking for a rental? Are you, are you just researching the market? Um, you know, and sometimes they say, "Oh, look, to be honest, Gareth, I'm actually not looking to buy. I've got a place I live actually at number 27. You've got 35 on the market. Um, we're not ready yet, but we're sort of thinking in six months' time we want to sell because we want to move back to Perth or we want to. Um, and it's only five minutes, but that five minutes of rapport is pretty, sound really arrogant, but more often than not, it's all I need because now I've got five minutes of rapport that no other real estate agent in the world has. Has got, yeah. And they, they walk away and go, oh, he was quite nice, I got his details, whatever. And that's the that's the delicate balance in my role is um, uh, following up to be helpful without crossing over into annoying. Yeah. And that's, that's the delicate balance is that, you know, some agents and some salespeople in all roles just, they sort of pick up the phone and, oh, hey, Rick, you... You selling? Oh, man, I saw you on Sunday, and I said we're not ready for six months. And no, thanks anyway. You know that yeah. crosses into the annoying. But you know, um, firing off a text message that afternoon. Hi, Rick. Thanks for coming to the home open. That was lovely meeting with you. You know, if, if I can ever help, just let me know. Oh, that's nice. And then maybe a couple of weeks later, I give you a call. Oh, Rick, I, I was just driving past them, uh, um, putting the sold sticker up on that property at thirty-five. I know you've got twenty-seven there. I just thought. Let you know that the, the property sold and settled now, and um, you know we were quite fortunate. We had a lot of interest in the property. We had two offers, and we were able to sell it for for five hundred thousand. Oh, great! That's providing a bit of value and a bit of context. Yeah, if you live in the area, and generates a bit of interest for them. Yep, you know. So um, yeah, it's a it's a tricky one, um, and I it's it's probably the one thing I hate more than anything about my job is that um, I, I don't want to annoy people. I don't want to you know. No. I don't want to be that typical salesman. I don't want to. Would that that ends up going to the legacy that you leave your kids, you know, and from what you were saying before, you know, you hope you hope you won't sort of like drift away from your fitness and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I've been involved now since oh god, I think I, I first started getting involved in fitness when I was sort of like you know mid mid teens. Yeah, and I still go now, you know, four, five, yep. six times a week. Sometimes, you know, my my son he's followed along as well. You yep. know, he does the same thing. He trains, you know, just near on every day. Same like sort of a thing. Brick shit house. Yeah, he covers it. Covers a bit of mass. Yeah, he does. Yeah, <laughs> strong yep. little bastard. My is. my boy's going to be more like me, and um, yeah, he'll have to work for every <laughs> for every rep. I don't. Yeah. Think, I, um, you know, I've got all of the love and all of the passion. But um, a lot of enthusiasm, but not all of the ability sometimes. Yeah. So that's okay. But you pass it on your legacy. You know, yeah. if, if he if, if he sees you doing it, he'll more than likely follow along. And just yeah. it all gets left behind. A little bit of stuff. I'm gonna leave my son like 400 belt buckles. <laughs> oh, sorry, you sorry, do mate. Have a killer belt buckle. Jeez, yes. been, see, that's how long it's been since we've worked together. I haven't seen a crazy belt buckle for months. No, what have we got on today? What have you got on I got today? the bullet. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, that's it. yeah just ba- baby one, yes. Plenty of them, yeah. There's about 400. I'm, I'm actually going to treat myself and actually pin them up on the wall in the shed so I can actually get out there and actually do what I should be doing, polish them and get them ready so oh, I can cool. choose which one I'm going to wear. Wear a different one every day. Just for, pull the wall down. It's a, yeah, it might collapse one side. It might be a bit dangerous. Poor Bob. Poor Bob. He might have to get a. He might have to get a skip in when I'm dead and just load all the stuff in there. Oh yeah, all this. Just straight in the skip. I'll have to. I'll have to put it together when it's my funeral to make sure I get the right one for uh, for death day. Just get twenty seven Paul Bearers. Carry the old bastard out. He's he's only seventy five kilos, but by fuck, he's heavy. (laughs) All right. So what have what have we covered? We've covered we've covered the future. 
a lot of the future sort of stuff, advice for your older self, etc., etc. I want to I want to take it back. Uh, I want to bring it back to the present. And, and, and another question I want to ask is: I think that this is is important. You know, we talk about um, hobbies and all this sort of stuff. We we regularly on this show talk about how important hobbies are for kid like kids especially in in teens if you don't have something like you know you're lucky with golf you sort of you know you had that if you don't have something you know you sort of end up with nothing and you have to start again yeah what are you know i know you you you're back into your golf now pretty religiously what what else at the moment is uh is really really driving your curiosity what's it's interesting you say that there's a and i haven't seen this in years but um Eric Banner did a did a documentary years ago called Love the Beast. Yep, and um, it's, good one. It's good, yeah, and because he's he's obviously a world famous actor. I still remember him as the bloke from the castle. Not that you've seen that. I movie. haven't seen it. You still. haven't seen the castle. No. Thank thank you. I've been telling this boy for a very long time because I <laughs> I regularly quote it, and he just looks at me like I'm an idiot. He hasn't seen fucking Predator. Uh, well, I've seen Predator. He's got he's got some moments. Oh, today. he hasn't even seen Alien. <laughs> Or aliens. Yeah. There's Shut gaps. Up. Answer the question. Jesus. <laughs> so we're talking. Um, I've gone a bit off track there. We're talking about hobbies, was it? Hobbies. What are you curious about? What What is really like? Maybe not like. So we've talked like thirty years from now. Yeah. What in say five years would you really like to know know a lot more about or be a lot better at? Yeah. Okay. So well, I mentioned that love the beast. So Eric Banner in that movie basically says that um, for him. Being an actor is is a career, and he's passionate about it, and he cares about it, and he works very hard to be good at his craft and things like that. But it's not it's not really what he wants to be doing. What he wants to be doing is driving his old XB Falcon coupe around Bathurst. That's actually where he wants to be. Okay. And I can sort of relate to that in that I work my ass off, you know, doing what I do for a living, and um, I'm sure I'd upset a few people, but I'd I'd challenge any local real estate agent to work as hard as I do. Um, you know, with the hours I put in, the um, and not only the hours I put in, but the learning the craft and knowing that I'm hopefully one of the better negotiators out there and knowing the marketing and, you know, all the intricacies and all the little things. And I, and I love it and I'm passionate about it and I want to want to be the best version of my, myself that I can be. But a bit the same, I want to be out in the golf course winning green jackets at Augusta. Now, it's not going to happen for me, but it's... um. The the sort of in that movie it, it follows he jumps in his XB coupe and he's doing Target Tasmania and the documentary was just meant to be about him taking his car around Target Tasmania and then he wrote it off okay and they they were recording and they filmed it and they had all the footage of it and stuff like that and I think at some point in that he says um you know he's he was pretty gutted it's a car he's had since he was sixteen or something rather and all the rest but then he there was like a, a switch that went in the back of his head and it was like the director and he went. Oh, here's the plot twist. And and he talks to Jeremy Clarkson in it and he talks to a few other people and he, and he said, for some people it's knitting, for some people it's golf, for, for others it's fishing. See, I don't get fishing the way a lot of people don't get golf. I have next to 0% interest in... I'm the worst at it. 
I, I just got no interest in it. I just don't want to do it. It's, it feels like something you should know how to do. It definitely does, and, and then especially, you're like, especially with a with a with a boy now. I'm looking at it going. Well, shit, I'm you know. I think you're I, supposed I, to take him out camping and fishing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like I'm letting him <laughs> down if I don't go fishing with him or something. Yeah. But it's I've just got no interest in it, and and I don't get that the way some people. And they talk about that the Zen of, and I think he sort of mentions it at some point in the movie, and the Zen of doing these things. For me, getting out and playing out in hole of golf on a Wednesday afternoon makes me a better person. Um, you know, clears my head. Um, you know, an hour in the gym in the morning, um, and and the other thing, which is which seems you know silly to a lot of people, I reckon, but quite often it'll be once the kids are gone to bed. You know, Amy will be playing around doing something, watching one of her shows that I've got next to no interest in, um, and I'll have an hour and a half to just chill out and and play Madden on the PlayStation or you know, a bit of, you know, Grand Theft Auto or what, Red Dead Redemption. But just just to decompress, just to zone out and just enjoy it. Um, and, and I think it's... I, I was only talking about it the other night with, with my wife, actually, and I, I think it's hugely important. I, I've got, you know, friends of ours, and, and I won't name them, but some people that, that you and I both know. And I sort of worry a little bit about them from a, you know, just mental point of view because they, they get up, they work, they come home, they go to sleep, they get up, they work, they go home, they come to sleep, and they've got no um, no pursuits or passions or hobbies or anything outside of, of that. And that's fantastic, but I'm, I also know that they don't really care about what they're doing. And they've built themselves into this little rut. And um, as I say, I, I know that that hour in the gym every morning clears my head. And I remember, I think I might have had a might have been lucky enough that I had a, a couple of hours spare on a Friday afternoon or something or I'd, I'd done what I needed to do for the day and I thought, you beauty, like it doesn't happen often but I was able to take a few hours off. Um, and I, uh, I I think, oh, I might have been in daycare for the day or something and anyway, I effectively just had nothing to do for a couple of hours. It was great. I thought, oh, you beauty. And I grabbed my golf clubs and I went and played nine holes of golf on my own. Didn't play with anyone, didn't. Just dropped a ball down, had a hit. And when I got home, Amy said to me, what did you think about you know, what, you know, out there on your own, what did you think about? Nothing. Yeah, it's a t- time alone. <clears throat> like, Literally nothing. Like, I teed off, and I'm like, oh, okay, I missed that right. Okay, no reason. You walk up to the next one, you think, okay, I want to do this. And there was no, there's no one there. I'm not chatting to anyone. I'm not, I didn't have any music on in the headphones or anything. It was just a couple of hours of just having a hit. And it was... The best feeling. Oh, and I, I think I took a photo and put it up on Instagram at the time, and I, and I said, um, you know, Zen and the art of playing golf on your own. It was, um, and for me, it was that, you know, and and, and I, you know, I love playing golf with, with different guys on a Wednesday, and you don't always want to be alone, but just as a dad who is all, there's always fires I'm putting out. There's always people to deal with. There's always, uh, there's always something, um, and then I come home and, um, you know, it's sort of the witching hour at home. I've often explained that to Amy that I, you know, I'll go to work, I'll have a lot of headaches because what I do is not physically demanding but mentally it can cook you. Yeah. You know, and you come home, you're like, oh, you just, you know, long day, get home at, at six or whatever it is and I walk in and if you've got toddlers, you know that that time of day is the hardest time of day, you know, yes. trying to get them to eat dinner and they're tired and they're cranky and they don't want to know <laughs> about it and I sort of walk in and, you know, for me now, my, my favourite time of any day is when I walk in after work and Owen is old enough now that he goes, Daddy! And he just runs up, wants to be cut. That's awesome. It's the best feeling. And it's, um, you know, to, you know, give him a big cuddle, that's great. And then it's, oh, 
How's your, you know, have you eaten your dinner, mate? And then you've got to go and deal with an hour and a half of tears and he doesn't want to have a bath and he doesn't, you know. And it's I wouldn't change it for the world, but equally it's you've had a huge day of dealing with that sort of stuff. And then you've, that hour at night where I can just fire up and race a car around, you know, I don't, do something, whatever. It's just decompress, gets me ready for, you know, off to bed, wake up the next day and do it all over again. But it's that time... I understand what you're saying because that time where there is a game of golf, a bit of PlayStation, for me they're probably the the, the few things. I'm you know um, I love my cricket. I I watched a lot more of the Ashes than I care to admit. Um, staying up a bit later than I normally would like to, but just decompress, relax, enjoy it. I think I think there's two really important things that you brought up there. One is is carving time out for yourself. I'm I'm a big believer of that. Um, Actually, it's probably three points. That's one of them. I think that there's this solitude in, like, removing yourself. Like, we are such a connected people now. There's, you know, social media, there's And people, particularly doing what I do. The phone never stops. Correct. The um, emails never stop. Correct, yeah. And, and I'm the sort of person that if someone emails me at 8.30 at night, I'm emailing them back. Uh, yeah. And, it's, and it says, like, I do that because you know, I mentioned caring about my craft and things like that. Well... I care about. I want to be seen to be a step above in a, in a level of professionalism. Um, you know, when someone rings me, I had a guy. I was at the gym at um, six forty-five in the morning. Between you and I, I don't know what the fuck he was thinking, ringing me at six forty-five in the morning. But I answered the call. Yeah, that's a dick move. That's what I thought. But I still answered the call. <laughs> we probably didn't expect there. you to pick up. He probably was not. Probably hoping just to probably get thought your he was going to get a voicemail. Yeah, yeah. possibly. Um, but I mean, I and you've seen me do it. I change my voicemail every single day. Every day. Every yeah, single day. changes yep. his voice. Oh, nice. Dates, yep. So, you know, uh, hi, today's Thursday, the 29th of August. You've reached the voicemail of Gareth Doust. I'm sorry there will be times I'm not available today, but your call is very important to me. So if you'd please leave a message, I'll call you back as soon as I can. Every single day I'll change it. And the only thing that changes is the date. And it's just people sort of get... And because and, if I'm with you showing you through a house or something like that, I ignore the call. Full yeah. stop. I'm, yeah, who's in, who's in front of you is the you, most important You've got thing. my undivided attention until, you know, we're done. Um, but when we're that's done, all about being nice. Correct. It's all about being nice with people. We've talked about it time and time again. Just being nice to people, giving them the time that they require. Yep. And just you know, and being able to get back to people. Some of the best business decisions are, are people when you actually get back to them. And go, thanks for getting back to me. Yeah. I yep. really appreciate that. And for me, I found that that simple little gesture of just adding the date to the voicemail, people go, oh, "Shit, he's on the ball." Yeah. Okay. And and yeah. they will leave a message, and they know that I'm going to call them back. Whereas if it's just a generic hi, I leave a message, people go, whatever, they just hang up. Yeah, that's it. They're interested. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but it has caught me out at times because I normally do it, I'll, you know, I'll jump in the car and I'll just do it on the Bluetooth on the way to the gym more often than not. But there's been times where I've forgotten to do it or I've, and then the phone rings and I'm with someone, I go, oh, fuck, it's got yesterday's message on it. I've got, you know, so it puts a bit of pressure on yourself. But it's it's that habit of, um, you know, of doing it every morning. And I just think it's a one it's a little one percenter that makes a difference. But you're right because... The problem there is you're answering phone calls all hours of the day. You're answering emails all hours of the day. Facebook, Instagram, you know, like I wake up and there's 15 notifications on my phone and, you know, here we go, off off again, you know, another day. Yeah, see, I I think you definitely need time alone. I think the the other thing that you said is, is that exercise, that time in the gym, that I think working on your body inherently works on your mind. Yeah. 
And it doesn't have to be lifting weights. It doesn't, doesn't have to be. It, it can, can be it stretching. Can be, it, it can, can be, be breathing, walk, walking, yep. whatever. I think that there's a, there's a part about moving that is important to thinking. And I think the third thing that's really important, and I mean, I know it's really hard when your kids are young, is, you know, when you're in a, when you're in a partnership, when you're whatever, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, you sort of, you need to take that time and it's I think it's maybe something that you don't realize until you've been married a few years or a few times and uh and and you sort of go okay I need to give this person my time just in in an us like us one-on-one you need that time because it's you know when you're not at work this is the person you spend all your time with. Mm. Oh, yeah. And you need to sort of like, it takes, I think it takes time to work on being a good partner as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is, that, is that the... It's like everything. You need, you need to work on everything to be good at it. Yeah. It's just, it's just not natural. You know, you can you can be good with people, but you're not good with people until you work with it, spend more time with people, then you get better. Yeah. You know, because there's always that one, you, you would have had them, I've had them, where you're just dealing with something and going, how the fuck do you even survive in... in 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 this community, like it, you know, two hundred years ago, somebody would have speared you and killed you. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you know, th- those people just don't fare well. Yeah, and that's it's a that's terrible right. thing. And yeah. everyone has them, you know. And as a business owner, I was a business owner for a long time. You know, the people that you come across, you think you're unreal. You yeah. know, why can't we just work on this together? But they're sort of like, one way, and it's their way, and you think, yeah, you're never going to anyone to work with you yeah. like this. And see, my my ultimate goal, um with what I do is I, I want to get to a point where I can only work with clients that I want to work with. Yeah. Great. Because, um, and most of my clients are fantastic, but there's a handful that you can do a wonderful job, bend over backwards, do everything. And, and they're still not happy. And it's, and one of the challenges, I, I guess with what I do is that I can guide and I can not instruct, but I can, I can hopefully lead them to a, you know, Hey guys, I think you should do this. I think this would make a difference. I think, but if they don't want to listen, they don't want to listen. And it's it's sort of one thing that gets me cross about our industry is that there's one stat that's starting to come out a lot lately is um, days on market. Yeah. So a lot of agents will sort of go out there and they'll say, oh, well, look, you know, my average days on market in Madura Bay is, is 72 and Gareth's average days on market in Madura Bay is 85. Therefore, I'm a better real estate agent. Yeah, but the days not on, necessarily so. Yeah, and, it's, and, it's, and a lot of the websites are using it in their stats and stuff as well. And you look at it and go, well, what that doesn't show is that ultimately at the end of the day, it's not my decision what price we put the property on the market at. It's not my decision what marketing we support the property with. It's not my decision when we take the photos. It's not like I can guide and I can advise and I can, you know, certainly try and cultivate the right marketing plan and the right price and the right... But there's, you know, ultimately it's up to the seller. It's not my decision to make. I can only, you know... Can only guide, yeah. Yeah. Um, and... You know, equally, the you know the property. I use Medora Bay as an example because there was a property I sold there recently that, within twenty four days or twenty three days or something, we had an offer on it at three hundred thirty thousand, little old you know beach shack sort of thing, and um, uh, the owner politely declined it. Great, no problems at all. We tried our best to get the buyer up. They weren't prepared to, so that's fine. We shake hands and and we part as friends. The second offer was maybe a few weeks after, maybe three weeks after that, comes in at three twenty five. 
lower again, wasn't where the owner wanted to be. We did our best, tried to negotiate the price up. They weren't prepared to. So we shake hands and we part as friends. The property was on the market for the best part, probably 90, maybe three months, 90 or 100 days in the end. Um, and we sold it at 345. It was a price that the owner was prepared to accept. Um, now, had I have pushed or you know said that's the price, whatever, if they'd have accepted that first offer, the days on market is 22, 23. Yeah. How good am I? Yeah, yeah, good it I sold it in twenty three days, but but you know by waiting ninety, we got them fifteen thousand dollars more, and the fifteen thousand dollars more was more important to the seller than the extra sixty days, yeah, seventy days, whatever it is. Well, your moral code kicks in, doesn't it? Really, I mean, you you if you're working for the buyer and you're working for the seller, you want to get the the buyer the best price, you want to get the seller the best price, and if you can meet somewhere in the middle, that's great. I yeah, mean, see, for me, I, like I'm I'm a listing agent, so for me, I always work for the seller. Um, oh nice yeah always work for the seller um, and at the end of the day you know I, I want both parties to be happy I want the buyer to be thrilled with their purchase and stuff like that but my job is to negotiate the best price I can for the seller and the best outcome and, and things like that so um, yeah it's it's certainly an interesting role but it's funny little stats and stuff that you know, people, oh, buy people on. yeah people yeah. buy on and that, that's probably the, the biggest tragedy probably with your industry altogether is you, you're not dealing with you know, like you are with a car, like an $8,000, you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars and you can sort of see why, in my way of thinking, if you're going to buy a house, you should be the happiest person around because yep. you, you're selecting to go out yeah, and sort of say, it's I exciting. want to buy a house. It's, it's freaking exciting. Yep. To actually get somebody disappointed at the end of it when they've, when they've bought a house that they've chosen to buy, yep. they've chosen to, they've come to you, they've chosen to buy, yeah, they might not get the exact price they want, but... Yep. Well, no you, one ever does. Yeah, you've, you've still <laughs> chosen to walk up there and go... I love this house. I want to buy it. This yep. is what I've got in the bank that we can afford to go to. Yeah. Let's let's talk turkey. Mm. You know, in the end, I don't think you. In my mind, you shouldn't be unhappy. You should walk away going, "I've got what I've wanted because yeah. that's what I wanted." Yeah. And look, ninety nine point nine percent of deals, that's exactly what it is. You know, and I, while I work for the seller, I still want the buyer to be happy because I want the buyer to pick up the phone in ten years' time and say, "Hey, Gareth, you know, um, you know, you sold us the house. We've loved dealing with you over the years." Um, we've just won lotto, we're going to go buy a place on the canals, can you sell this one for us? You know, that's the phone call I want to have because yeah. they've had the experience with me in, in the past. Right. But equally, there are times when, um, you know, we have to, um, not negotiate, I'll, I'll use an example, there was a property I sold in um, One and Up and I, I actually think the, the guy had maybe buyer's remorse. I think he'd changed his mind, I think he didn't want to buy it or I don't know the circumstances surrounding it, but he did a termite check on the property, which was a part of the contract, and it came back all clear. No problems at all. And he asked me afterwards, he said, look, can you speak to the owners if they've got the receipts from when the checks have, you know, when the sprays and stuff have been done over the years, if they've got them, I would like them. I said, of course, no problems at all. So I spoke to the owner, and the owner said, look, Gareth, I pay cash for everything. There are no receipts. Yeah. I don't keep receipts, mate. If I had them, they're in the bin. And I'm telling you, I probably never got them. It's been sprayed. You know, you've got the little sticker in the meter box. You know the yeah, it tells you when. Yep. Yep. But I can't give you any receipts. So I went back to the to the buyer, and he just kicked off, just absolutely kicked off at me. Um, oh, that's it. I'm cancelling the deal. You real estate agents are all the same. And it's like, whoa, hang on, calm down a sec. Look, we're not trying to be difficult here. Let's. The good news is there's no termites. The check's been done. No issues at all. Um, you know, I understand what you're saying. It's disappointing, and I'm sorry if I had the receipts or if the owner, current owner, had the receipts, we would be happy to give them to you. But it's a bit like a, a manual on a dishwasher. If we don't have the manual for the dishwasher, we can't give them to you. Yeah, we just don't have it. Yeah, and he sort of fired up and he wanted to carry on. Oh, I'm cancelling the contract, and uh, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm pretty good at my job. That contract was watertight. We'd done nothing wrong. He wasn't getting out of the contract. 
Yeah. Um, and so the the seller enforced the deal. He had to settle on it. Um, but he, I got no doubt that he hates my guts. Now I actually did, did my job, did nothing wrong. Yeah. I did my job. Uh, and it's disappointing that that was the outcome, but I work for the seller. So in that case, my job was to enforce the contract. Yeah. So and you, and you can't keep everyone happy. It's just, it's the way of the world. There's always going to be somebody that goes, oh shit. Mm. You know, I've, I've overcommitted, you know, I've, I've done the wrong thing here. It's like, oh. Mm. But, you know, if you've, if you've opted to buy, you know, like if something pear-shaped goes on, if they could be honest with you and sort of say, look, this is what's happened, man. You know, I've, I've really got to get out of this. And you can look them in the eye and go, yeah, you're shooting it straight. Let, let me talk, to the, let me talk to, the, to the seller and we'll just we'll see if we can do business. You know, most, most of what I deal with is managing ego. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it Trying is. Trying to keep everyone happy and just, keep- just managing ego. So. It's a difficult thing. Ego gets in the way of a lot of things, a lot. Uh, it's nice for people to come back to humble stuff and, and let other people tell them things. Yep. You know, well, I had, uh, had the big dog over here at jiu-jitsu last night, so learn, learning some new some new crafts. That'll, that'll humble you. Yeah, that, that, that'll humble you. So, so it was nice to go in and actually for him to learn some stuff. You know, you can always learn from people who are good at their craft. You yeah, know, you know, sure. and And that's the thing is, like, people can learn from you because you'll – obviously great with people and you've got the, the seller's best interest at heart, you know, so, and you can see that in people. So make an assessment sort of like, you know, I choose to, to have you, you know, sell a house for me because I know you straight away, you, you're honest. You know, when I had Ricky at jujitsu last night, same thing, you know, we just, we're going, I told him before he started, I said, we're just going to work on a mechanical night tonight. Everyone's going to go through basic mechanics and that's what we're going to teach people. Yeah. I just want to see what everyone's up to. You know, I don't want to sort of like, you know, come out of the sky and go, right, everyone's perfect. We're just going to work on this. We wanted to break it down mechanically for everybody and just have have a good time. And he got in there and stretched himself out a little bit and got out of his comfort zone. Look, yeah, I wasn't comfortable one but bit. No. Jiu-jitsu is the ultimate source of honesty. Yeah. You it, know? It's interesting what you're saying about how you go on that. There was an old boss of mine. He'll never listen to this, so he won't. Um, but he, lovely guy, and he said to me, and it always stuck, he said, you can feed your ego or you can feed your family. What do you want to do? Yeah. And, I, and it just always stuck with me. And I, I sort of... Look at a, you know, in business, it's amazing how many people dig their heels in and, um, you know, aren't, aren't prepared to concede ground, aren't prepared to, you know, yeah. be flexible and things like that. And in doing so, they they don't achieve what they should have and wanted to achieve. And so yeah, it's I, I just try and um, yeah, it's not rocket science. Be nice to people, do the best you can. And well, some that's the, some the problem with some people they they look at or they they look and they believe what a successful business person. Is like mm. in in the centre part of Bunbury lot. There's so many shops that are that are that are vacant because basically the rents are too high. Yep. So people are leaving, going out to other places to, to set up their shops. Yep. So that to me says says that's ridiculous. Yep. Like if people are leaving, drop the rent. Well, that's, have, that's a market force, isn't it? Yeah, that's drop the away. rent. Make you people know, want to stay. I mean, I'll tell you now. The the number one reason a property doesn't sell is because the property's overpriced. Yeah, sellers have an emotional attachment to the property. We paid X for it. We want Y. If we don't get it, we're not selling. Instead of saying, and, and that's one thing I really get frustrated about is people, want, the first question they ask me when they, they sort of ring up thinking of selling, they say, what's my house worth? Well, ultimately, your house is worth what someone's prepared to pay for it. Now, yeah. we can we can hopefully give you a guide price as to where we think it sits in the market today, and we can do that based on what is selling and what isn't selling and what's on the market but my job isn't to tell you what your house is worth. My job is to create a marketing plan and a process that is going to maximize 
what you know yeah, what you can get for it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a tricky one because they they get it in their head. Oh, I'll only sell if I get X. Well, you know the market factors. You know sometimes if, X isn't available. <laughs> You've got to go Y and Z sometimes. Exactly right. Exactly right. And a lot of my sellers that they're the conversations I'm having with them. It's like look, if you don't want to sell in the current market, I understand. That's okay. You know, I'm if you choose not to sell it today, if it's in twelve months' time, five years' time, I'll be here. Whenever you're ready, I'm ready. But at the current market rate, that asking price isn't getting, you know, gonna get a look. Yeah. It's not getting the interest we, we need, you know, we need to we need to adjust it. So yeah, it's a it's a tricky one. And again, managing egos. Yeah. Oh, I'd say when the, when there's a lot of money involved, you can sort of you can sort of get it. I mean everyone everyone wants their little piece of pie, a yeah. tiny little bit extra and say, Oh yeah, we, we got we, we got it for a bloody good price. And that's yeah. that's the one thing you hear, isn't it? I got it for a bloody good price. Yeah. Everyone wants a deal, of course. You know, and unfortunately, the and everyone per- wants to sell it for more than, than what they paid for. Oh yeah, you know that's fair. That's it's it's, a, it's it's not unreasonable. You know, in in housing, that's the one thing you're taught from when you first get into housing is like, we, this is where you're going to make money. Yeah, you know, yep. but, but over the last decade or so, that's not true. It's not true. No, just and it, it's become a lot more of a sort of like you get you you actually make whatever money you make on a house is generally. If you make improvements, if they've been really successful, yeah. or what you pay off your mortgage. Yeah. Well, I read a, I read a stat the other day that it was um I forget what suburb they were particularly looking at, but the average sale in that area um was a one hundred and fifteen thousand dollar loss from what the buyer had purchased it for or the seller had purchased it for. Yeah. We, we'd so be like that, that. That was the average. You know, there, yeah. there are parts. Of, I mean, I've, I've sold properties. You know, and it breaks my heart. There's such difficult conversations to have. But I've sold properties. I had one on the market recently, which was the owners paid one point five six million for it. Um, and uh, we had it listed for sale at four ninety nine. Oh dear God, Jesus! You know, so that's that's one hell of a whirlpool. Yeah, you know, but that's and it's disappointing. I'd, I would much rather be selling it at one point five for them. Yeah, but they've got to. Um, but realistically, when you when you go and look at some of the places, have you have you thought over the time when you've come in, you thought, why the fuck is everything here so expensive? Like, what, why are people paying 1.2 in here when realistically um, it's, it's 700,000? Have you got, is that? No, not, not for me. I mean, the, the age I am, I've, I've been in real estate for five years now and um, I've been in sales, you know, pretty much since I left school. So, I've, you know, I've certainly been learning the craft for a long time. But um, the the boom was over before we, you know, really in, in our era, it was sort of 06, 07 was when the bubble burst and it just has never recovered since then. So yeah. I've only I've only known the market to be what it is now. Um, I reckon there'd be plenty of people that you know would tell you stories about when the market was hot and you'd have you know ten properties for sale and a hundred buyers, you know, and they yeah. just fight amongst themselves and and that's you know we've seen that in Sydney and Melbourne, uh, you know, reasonably recently and that's that's sort of come off the boil as well. So, um, but yeah, look, I, I try not to get too involved in it. The market is the market, you know. We can't yeah. control we can't control Donald Trump. We can't control who the prime minister is. We can't control. You know what's going on with petrol prices. We can only control what's in front of us. Let's let's do the best we can with what the market is. Yeah, a lot of people get upset with uh, with that, don't they? <laughs> well, they do. Um, look, I want to I want to take you away from sales for a minute. Obviously, you know, success is is uh, you know you've 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 sold some great properties. You know, you get your commission whether it sells a really good price or not. Obviously, you overwork that. If you broke it down to an hourly rate, you'd probably be very sad. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that on a lot of properties. Look, I, I want to I talk more about life. Um, 
I mean, we we talk so much about success. Everyone talks about success. It's what everyone sees. It's what everyone does. Yep. Uh, a really, probably a really generic thought that is now starting to be asked. What have you failed at in life? Um, and 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 what did you learn? What? How did you bounce back? What What was the the takeaway? And I mean, it's. You know, when I when I fuck up shit in life, it generally takes me six months to figure it out that I actually fucked up and yeah. how I got out of it. Yeah. Is there anything that stands out from a from a failure point that that you've seen, identified, and then gone, all right, how am I going to figure this out? On a like, do you mean from a business point of view, a personal point of view? I think or? personal, because it's something we don't do. We don't we don't no. reflect. No, look, I. Again, um, my wife and I, you know, we, we got together when I was 18, 17, I think, when we got together. So um, it's interesting. I, Amy and I have always joked that a, a lot of the, you know, not you know, not that I've made any crazy huge mistakes or anything like that, but it's some of the things you, you do when you're, you're young and stupid and, um, you know, you go out drinking with your mates and you maybe don't consider other people's feelings as much and you don't, I don't know, you're not as conscious of what's, what's going on. Um, you know, a lot of that, um, I don't know. A lot of people sort of break up the the girl, you know, their first girlfriend or something. They break up with, and then they take those learnings onto the next one, and then they break up with that one, and they take those learnings. Amy and I have been together, so she's we've we've both you know learnt with each other. So nothing nothing in particular stands out. But I just um, I I do try and make more of an effort these days to be a um, I guess a more conscious partner, particularly with Amy. Um, you know, the stay at home mum, you know um. I wind her up at times, and you know, she's a, she's got the life of leisure. I'll go to work. You get to hang out with the kids. But I tell you what, I I don't know that I could do it. It's a it's like, a like you said, you get home at six o'clock and yeah. almost just want to close the door and get back in your car. That's right. Yeah, I'll go back to the office for another hour. So you know, it's what what she does is incredible, and and the work that she puts in, and and you know, it's unpaid, it's un you know, it's unspoken about, yeah. and things like that. So I just try and be a bit more conscious about that. Um, we had and, and look, it's it's not something. Um, Amy sort of has not that she is embarrassed about anything like that but she had some issues with um, postnatal depression when, when we had Owen and I, I didn't know it I didn't sort of pick it up at the time and it wasn't until she was pregnant with Emily that she she was really in a pretty dark place and I was hang on, what's going on here What's and we had a huge big fight over it I said what the fuck? just tell me what's up what's going on and she sort of fessed up that she had you know these feelings and, the, and it sort of you know it took a little while it was probably the best part of six months or, or a year after Owen that chemical imbalance is huge. Oh, it's it just throws them in. It's, it's Body, unbelievable. Body's yeah. just going yeah. like literally growing a human. Yeah, and, oh. and you know it was it was a, a world that I wasn't exposed to. You know, and and she sort of we had a big conversation. She, oh, you know, I I thought you would have noticed, and I wasn't. I was. She, I'm a new dad. You're a new mum. Everything was weird. Like, I, you know, maybe I could have been a bit more conscious of it. I, I certainly wasn't. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things that. She kept to herself, and and you know Amy, she she does keep certain things to herself, and once she gets to know people, then she'll she'll open up a bit more. But yeah, she um that was that was sort of hard to to hear. And then when um it was interesting because she leading up to the you know birth of Owen, she was she was so excited, she was happy and bubbly, and that's that's who she is. But then afterwards, it was that sort of you know, and and she certainly didn't suffer it as bad as a lot of women probably do. And um yeah, so that was that was a huge challenge. 
And then when she fell pregnant with Emily, it was interesting because it, it went from being that postnatal to the, I think they call it antenatal, which is the, the pre. Mm. And her stress then was, Jesus fucking Christ, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to feel this way again. You know, and, and she, she said to me, she had this um, you know, beautiful little baby and it's all she'd ever wanted. And, and, and she just, and there was, there was moments where she just wanted to put him down and just, she just couldn't deal with him, you know, just couldn't. And it wasn't that she didn't love him. It wasn't, but just for whatever reason, those, those, feelings that you, you sort of hear about and, and yeah like seeing those and, and hearing about those firsthand was was a huge challenge and um trying to be a bit more conscious and, and in the end once once it sort of really came out with um when she was pregnant with emily i just and rightly or wrongly i basically gave her an ultimatum i said you need to talk to your doctor about this um this isn't just something you need you, you know i can't help you i'm not equipped to help with this um you know there's no uh there's no conversation here. If you don't tell him, I will, basically. Yep. And she, for half an hour, hated my guts, thought I was the worst person in the world, and how dare I, and all the rest of it. <laughs> yep. And we, we went to the doctor for a checkup, and, and he sort of, and he's a lovely guy. Um, Dr. Vandermeer is one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life, and he, um, you know, how, how's it all going, Amy? Any, any questions that I can help with? And, and she sort of looks at me, and I'm looking at her going, you know, just Spit that look. If you don't fucking say something, and she goes, "Oh, you know, Gareth's making me say it," and I don't think it's anything. And he was amazing, you know. And and she never, um, she never took anything for it. She never, and there was options available, you know, if she wanted to. But it was, it was the second she got it off her chest was when it stopped becoming a problem. It's the hardest thing about being the closer you are to somebody. Yep. Sometimes the harder it is for them to reveal their weakness. And it wasn't it wasn't a weakness, you know. It was it was a it's just one of those things, and and you need to be conscious of it. And you know, if if we had um, you know friends having a baby and stuff like that, now I'd actually I would be I would try and be conscious of discussing it with them more and asking yeah. questions and stuff because Early. it's something. Again, I I was oblivious to it with with Owen, and she sort of suffered to herself about it. And I I, I feel very guilty about that, and you know not. Not that you could have known, but but then you sort of think back and go, well, gee, you know, and yeah, it was just that was a pretty dark time for for both of us. Um, in at at, a, at an equally very happy time, which is which is yeah, weird. It's so, weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's melancholic. But so. it was yeah, it was it was fascinating that um, yeah, had she have just got it off her chest the first time around, it probably would have stopped it becoming a problem because where where she was concerned about, well, she has had absolutely no issues whatsoever post. You know, yep. having Emily, it was the it was the lead up to it. So yeah, that's I, I wouldn't call it a failure or anything like that, but it's something that um, definitely a if, learning learning moment. Absolutely, identifying. Yeah, and, and if I had my time again, and, and like I said, you know, I was a first time dad, and um, you know, like you know, as a Amy, Amy not working, I'm the sole you know breadwinner. I've got my own things to deal with and long hours and stuff, and um, yeah, I was maybe a little. Um, caught up in my own little world and, and not noticing what was going on in hers. I, I you know, Because she presented that front of having it under control, I sort of just took it at, at that and, and went with it. But um, yeah, as I say, not, um, I, don't re- I don't regret it as such, but I, if I had my time again, I'd maybe be a little bit more helpful there. Yeah, sweet. Well, that's, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, um, you know, like... <sighs> I get it. I get it from both sides. And the way I get it from, like, I, I love hearing that, you know, it's it's something that people 
are really good at hiding. Mm. It's like, mm. trust me, I've, I've hit it from my wife before and she's my best friend. I, I tell her every fucking thing because yeah. it's, it's not worth like, you know, whatever. It's not worth the drama. I, I tell my kids all the time. If you always tell the truth, you never have to remember anything. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I'm I'm very much like that with Jess. And then, you know, a couple of years ago, I was having a really fucking shit time and just kept it in and thought, fuck yeah, I've got this under control. I'll just deal with it myself. And, and the whole fucking family, like, around me was just falling apart. And it was just, I, in my head, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm just dealing with this by myself. And then it's like, Oh yeah, no. If you didn't get your shit together, I was gonna leave you. Mm. <laughs> it's just no. like, oh, oh, did you notice? Yeah. <laughs> and like, yep. and and you, we get so caught up in just going, oh, I'll do with it myself. Yep. That and then like as soon as you know, um, like the start of this year, I was just like, all right, something's not right. I need to fix this. And and Jess was the same. She said, you need to go talk to someone. You need to do something. Otherwise whatever whatever the end game is yep. it's not going to be positive for anyone and and you sort of need like i i think that's where mental health is getting really really good it's breaking yeah. down those barriers and and you know now we can maybe identify a bit easier but when when someone says it to you you go okay we know there's help out there now yeah. there's i don't i can't help you i'm you know i'm not equipped to you know, you're not. You know, there's there's people that are good at this. Yeah, let's go see them. Really good, yeah. Mm. So I think that's I think that's a really really important thing and, to. And look, I I try and be, I try and be a a good friend. And try and be conscious of that sort of stuff. I mean, there's again guys that you and I both know that that I um you know working away FIFO, um you know various reasons you know, separation with partners and stuff like that and i'll i'll never send out the you know cheesy are you okay or whatever but i'll i'll just start the conversation and just see where it goes you know yeah. hey man how's things haven't seen you in a while we should catch up for a beer yeah, i think it's like when like me me going through it i i'm not gonna but like brag but i see when people need to do the chat yeah I've I, like I make no, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable or anything. But I had it one night with you. We were playing video games as yeah. you do. You had that, and it was and you know you just like talking a lot about the same sort of stuff. You know, yeah. babies on the way and stressed out about this and time and yeah. all these sort of things. And I was fucking exhausted. I was yeah. like, I got another forty minutes. Just let him have a chat. Like because yeah. I could identify. Like it was late at night. Obviously, yeah. everyone was asleep in your house. And there was, I was just like, oh, I'll just let him get this yeah. out because I know he needs it. And yep. yeah, I think that's where mental health is getting really exciting. Yeah. It's because it's, it's, you know, I notice that your mate's been a bit quiet or yep. doesn't come to jujitsu anymore or, you know, like all these sort of things. And, and I think it's really good that we're starting to break those, those things down. Oh, I, and again, I won't go into depth of the, the person or the situation, but I had a friend of mine that I was, um, and, and there was no warning signs whatsoever, but I just had a bad feeling. I was like, "This something's not right here. And and I, I really went out of my way to sort of go, we should catch up for a beer, we should do this, we should, you know, and, and it didn't always sort of work. They weren't, they couldn't do it this day. We're taught, But just, you, you hear it all the time, you know, if something horrible happened, someone commits suicide or something. And like, oh shit, we never saw it coming. We never saw it coming. I didn't, he's not like that. She's not like that. I can't believe yeah. they did this. And I just, um, 
I, yeah, I'm a bit the same. Like, I always try and... Um, I'd like to think that I can read the play of a situation pretty well. Um, and maybe it's not to that extreme, and I hope for for anyone it never gets to that extreme. Maybe it's just, you know, that they're, they're sad and lonely and they, you know, and they could, they could use a mate for a while. Um, and I think what makes me very good at what I do for a living is that I can read a situation very well, whether that's a, you know, a marketing situation, a person, whatever. But it's, um, yeah, so I always just try and, as I say, just that, that simple, how's things, how you been, you know, we should, we should go for a game, you know, it's been years since we've had a hit, we should go for a game of golf, we should have a beer, we should catch up for dinner. You know, and, and it's, it's never about the beer, is it? Never. It's never, never. about drinking. Well, it's, it's, it's funny we were golf. talking earlier about the the rock. It was um Pain and Gain that movie he did with yeah. Mark Wahlberg and that. And he true says, story. Yeah, well, I, yeah, apparently, oh, but he, well, I didn't watch it all. Fuck, it was boring, wasn't oh, it? God, I, I can't yeah. remember. I can't remember. It was, it I didn't was watch shit. it all. Yeah, it was shit. But the one line I remember was he um Mark Wahlberg says to the Rock's character, he says, "Oh, you'll come for a beer." And he sort of he's a bit sheepish and that. And I think from memory, the Rock's character was pretty shy in that movie. And he goes, "Oh." Oh mate, no, nah, it's okay. It's okay. I don't, I don't drink. And Mark Wahlberg goes, mate, it's not about the beer. It's just an adult's way of saying, do you want to hang out? Yeah, it's never about the beer. Well, it's something yeah. we don't do anymore. Like, you know, we're so, you know, everyone works. Well, I mean, I live so far away from everyone. There's no, you know, when you're a kid, talk about nostalgia and like it's no riding over to someone's house and knocking on the door. Like yeah. that's not commonplace it's not how it's anymore. Done anymore no. You know, you mentioned it the other day, Rick, where. Um, you know, if you're driving past and, and you obviously want to catch up, just pull in the driveway and knock on the door. Yeah, and we it. don't do it as adults. No, it's always no. text first, call first, yep. all yeah. these sort we've, of things. We've gone so over polite now that it's like if you don't contact somebody beforehand, like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was like if something was wrong with somebody, you just need to fucking harden up. Yeah. Whereas now we realise, well, some stuff is not in our control to just harden up. Yep. It literally comes to the fact that we've got to do something about it and sometimes we're not the people to do it yeah and and you know isn't it funny as i said i um wanted to improve my health and and wanted to get into a better mindset and stuff and that's what for me was where i reached out to jimmy and said hey yeah he's a he's a strength and conditioning coach he knows his stuff i said hey man do you want to you know we're mates should we go to the gym together let's make it a regular thing so yeah cool no worries. and i thought he was doing me a favor you know how good is this you know you'd be paying this bloke 80 bucks an hour or something normally or whatever what a and he's a lovely bloke i can talk all day with him and that um, and then a, maybe six months later or something, he said, oh, man, I'm, I'm so glad you sort of reached out. He goes, oh, I was being so lazy. I wasn't going to the gym and stuff. And he's like, having you, you know, to do it with, like really motivated me to get back into that. And I sort of went, like like he sort of implied that I'd helped him. And I was like, what? Like it did, that blew me away because I was like, I, I felt almost indebted to him because he, yep, he's, he's, you know, imparting me with his knowledge and he's, you know, been a real mate and stuff like that. And you sort of go, oh, shit, that's, it was working for both of us. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, it's why we do this. It's like, yeah, so the two of us worked in the same crew for such a long time. Doing this, it's just another way to go, let's just hang out. Yeah. And let's just shoot the breeze and just, just talk shit. Talk, yeah, yeah talk about yeah. cool shit with yeah. cool people. It's yeah. just, that's just we'll the way put, it rolls. We'll put it, we'll put it out to the world. And when Owen's 40 one day, he'll stumble upon this and he'll go, shit, I didn't know mum had that when she was. Yeah, yeah that's know. right. <laughs> yeah. What I mean, that's, this is like, I've, I've said it, actually interviewed Imogen in this. You're not the first. No. You're the second. I sat here and interviewed Imogen, which, you know, I, I like to Is that one you put do. on YouTube? No, no. Different we one. did a different one a couple of weeks ago. Cool, okay. And I, you know, we sat down. I thought we'd ease into it. First question, she's like, so why do you do the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, you ask the questions then. And, yeah. 
And when you talk about legacy, like I had shit, like nothing left from like my dad, like, you know, very few pictures of us, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, she's always going to have that YouTube video, which, you know, you see yeah, everyone amazing. reacted really positively yeah. to. But it's not about what you guys think. It's about her going, yeah. oh, look, here's when I was eight. Me and my dad sat yeah. down and made a video. Amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, really, really cool. So yeah. that's I want to do like one of those podcasts with her every year. Yeah. Twice a year, whatever. Yeah. She's she wants to come in here and sit in here while me and Rick do. She yeah. Like, yeah. So I was just like, yeah. We'd uh, we'd have to curb the pirate language. Nah, she is it all the time. <laughs> Listens to rap music. Right. If, yeah, if, she's right into it. Then yeah. If the worst thing that happens with your child is that one day they grow up and swear, I don't. You know, I'm not. If Owen is a really good guy and a great human being, and he swears a bit. Sweet. I don't give a yeah, fuck. Nah, yeah, no, let's let it ride. Fuck. Let it ride. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's let's get it positive here. And now this is this is gonna be positive for the outcome, but it's gonna be uncomfortable for you to answer. Okay. What is something you're really proud about that you don't really talk about? Like what is it? So we we've tried to discuss this with each other today and and uh and and what yeah, what is something that you sort of do and you do it without waiting for praise. What, what Something you, I do without waiting for praise. Yeah, like, like what are you proud of as a person that you, you do or you've done or you, you know, you, you, you give back and that you don't talk about? Um, that's a good question. Oh, I mentioned earlier that mum and dad split up when I was seven um, and for various reasons, um, and it wasn't any fault of mine, um, being the age I wasn't. It certainly wasn't any fault of Dad's either because he was sort of active and trying to, you know, maintain that relationship. But um, Mum was quite a, a vindictive sort of person and she had... Um, and, and to this day, I don't have a relationship with her. Um, don't have. It's ironic, actually, because between the ages of sort of 7 and 18, I had nothing to do with my dad because of, you know, what she was up to and that. Um, and... The irony of it all is, is that now I've got an amazing relationship with my dad, and I don't have a relationship with my mum. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so I didn't have much to do with dad growing up, and mum had her demons with with alcohol and smoked a lot. And know that um, laugh, brother, I know that laugh. Yeah, well. you know, and it's and it's it's sad because you know there's a great saying in life that you can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. Um. And I look at other family members and stuff like that, and and I could have sort of could have gone either way for me, you know, with some of the just some of the things I was surrounded with as a kid growing up and it it probably could have broken me but in fact it was the opposite it it made me grit my teeth and sort of go no no I don't I don't want that I don't want this I don't want that and um one thing I one of my absolute pet hates in life is when people play the victim and there's you know there's a lot of people that that deal with some horrible things and and you know quite often as out of their control and, and I can understand how they get to a point but I don't I just don't like it when you hear oh you know this is this and woe is me and I I just don't want to be like that I want to um, okay that's what's happened let's deal with it um, I, I don't and, and you know I'm sure people I know would probably tell me that there's been times I have enjoyed playing the victim but I, I don't ever want to be like that and um, yeah just the um, I suppose becoming the, and, and I, I actually think a lot of the person I've become is, is to do with sport and, and the particularly the golf club environment growing up. I was quite fortunate to have a lot of older guys um, who sort of, I never had an older brother, but they sort of, they almost played that older brother role a little bit and 
it's amazing when you um when you don't have certain relationships in your life you tend to foster them from somewhere else without even realizing it mm. so yeah look I, i'm i'm are there things i would do differently of course i think we're all the same there's all things that we would we would do differently or you know if we had our time again we might change but um there's nothing as such that i regret and i'm i'm proud that um yeah like in a, in a pretty challenging circumstance at a pretty young age for things that are out of my control you know, i was sort of able to get through it my own way and and become my own person yeah sweet that's yeah. that's really good man that's uh i think yeah I, you know we've we've talked about it before addiction and i believe life is about choices everything has two choices yep. you do the easy thing or the hard thing easy thing man is is to is to is to be the victim is mm. to drink your problems away Fucking whatever it yep. is. Trust me, I've been there. Mm. Been there. Made millions of easy choices and, and those hard choices I think is where the growth is, where the yeah. where the meeting the right people is, where the doing the right things is, where it's, you know, going to the gym yep. instead of coming home and drinking yep. half a litre of scotch. Yeah. You know, and, yep. and it's it's you know, it's it's realising that the watch isn't shit but the hard work is. It's yep. the people are more important than whatever it's yeah I, th- I think that's that's the uh that's the big takeaway it's what it's why they put buddha at the top of the mountain the, the journey's hard to get there but when you when you when you reach buddha at the top of the mountain it's clear makes you, sense you've, you've done the hard road no point mm-hmm. putting him down where you can just walk straight up and go give me the answer bro it's it literally is. that's that's why everything is skyward well the one thing i've i've learned from the gym and again you know I've, I've probably the last couple of weeks with a Kids been sick and a few other things. I've been pretty lazy with it. So to sit here and talk about the gym when I've barely been the last few weeks probably seems a bit rich for me. Mate, but... trust me, I'd sit here and talk about jujitsu, and I've done about thirty hours of it in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, yeah, the one thing I've I've sort of learnt from going into it as an, an adult and embracing it and things like that, especially taking it into my work life and even with you know with kids and family and stuff like that at home, I just have this little mindset now, and I just call it do the reps, do the reps, um, you know. If you want to get good at it, you got to do the reps. If I want to, you know, list this property, I got to do the reps. I got to do this. I got to follow, and it's just got to do it every day. Got to do this. Got to do this. And there's a the word discipline for a lot of people has a like a painful sort of connotation to it. But for me, and being the the sports nuffy that I am, my absolute you know number one tragic I'm an idol of is Justin Langer. And Justin Langer has this saying. He says the pain of discipline is nothing like the pain of disappointment. And it's, you know, getting up, going to the gym, doing this, doing that. Okay, I've got to make 10 phone calls, got to do this, got to send those letters, got to do that. And it's like, it's 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 sort of in a weird way, it's like that discipline sets you free a little bit. Well, it's you getting to old Gareth in 30 years. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I wish I had told myself to just keep doing it. Yeah. It's just, it's yep. keep showing up. It's, it's it's time, put the time in, yeah. you know, and, and um, you know, I'm... You know, I'm not a particularly good squash player, but if you do it for two hours a day, every day, you work on your fitness, you work on your mind, you know, work on your your technique, you, you know, 10 years' time, will be pretty good. Yeah, you absolutely, know, so. man. And it, people sometimes, I think we, I think we maybe have to try and expect to be the best at everything. Or 
not even that. We 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 look at the rock and go, "There's no way I could build a body like that." What, what's the point of going to the gym? Yeah, yeah, but but you can. It's it's a left foot in front of the right. You know, it's the it's the it's the re- it's putting in the reps, man. Yeah. He's he's only there because he's lifted. He's done fourteen thousand more curls than us. Yeah. Or three hundred thousand more. Let's say maybe a few more. We'll <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, it's pe- people don't realise that we get we get uh we get really turned off, uh by 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 everything I suppose before we even begin. We're mm. you know we're in the in the age of Instagram and seeing models and yeah, yeah it's, it's hard. Yeah. You see the you know and it's people put out a polished version of what they want you to see. Yeah. Don't, you don't see the, you know, you, you see me standing there putting a sold sign up with a smiling client. You don't see the three months worth of work that went into getting it there. I do. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Is, uh, we'll give you give you one last tricky one to uh, to finish, to put the, put the nail on the final coffin of your of our first victim guest for the podcast. <laughs> okay. The life after for you. Is there a life after? What is what's there? What's there for you when everything's when everything's all finished and it's and it's oh, done and dusted? Mate, I, th- I think I'm at times practical to a fault, uh, and there's a part of me like like I I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think there's there's anything after. I, I think, you know, I, um, when you're going for an operation and they knock you out and your lights out and you sort of you know, that's it. I just think it's lights out, and um, I hope I'm wrong. Um, I'd I'd be very happy to be proven wrong, but I I don't I'm I'm not. Um, I don't want to say I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm certainly not religious. I'm not spiritual in in that sort of sense. And and I think, as I say, I'm sort of practical to a fault. I think the, um, for me, you know, talking about a spirit or spirituality or something, for me, it's more about, you know, I want to, you know, spend time with the kids, spend time with my mates, you know, do the things I enjoy, do the, you know, live the life you can, you know, and, um, but yeah, I I think, um, I hope I'm wrong, but I think when my time's up, if I, if I, Get hit by a bus or something. I think the lights will just go that's out, it. and that'll be just that. Have a sleep. Yeah, that's it. Let, sleep. Let, let the uh, let the earth absorb the energy, and yep. let somebody else pick the energy up and do something with it. Yep. Yeah, and, and look, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm practical to a fault, and I mean, I look at um, probably a controversial opinion, but I look at some of the cemeteries and stuff like that, and I, I just sort of go, "That's I don't think that's helping anyone." I, I you know. You can. And, uh, that's that's the property developer. You <laughs> yeah, that's good land. You look at, you look at Karakata and you go, oh, that's, you know, we could subdivide that, and we could. I could you know, yeah, but I don't, no, I, I don't know if I'd like to build a house there and just have somebody going. Yeah. What the fuck is What's that? What's going on? Yeah. No. Look, I, I look at um, you know, uh, sometimes you drive along and, and you'll see a, a cross on the side of the road, and someone's you know unfortunately been killed in a car accident or hit by a car or something, and. I look at it and I just think if I get killed in a car accident don't come and sit at the corner of this road and that road and go and, go and sit on the beach and think about me you yeah. know go and go and like that's not I don't think that's helping anyone yeah. um, no. and, and same with a gravesite you know whether it's a cross on the side of the road or a gravesite at a cemetery I'd rather um, and I, you know I haven't really thought about this too much but I'd rather than having a gravesite I'd rather Hopefully, with any luck, by the time I'm gone, there's a little bit of money left over for the kids. You know, I hope I hope they can, you know, take some of that money, go and donate it to a local council or something, put a park bench in a really good spot. Yeah. Actually, we were in New York about five years ago, and pretty much every single park bench in Central Park is, is dedicated to someone. Have you seen how expensive it is to do that? Oh, I can imagine it's very expensive. Oh yeah, we yeah. Pro- we we priced it up. Yeah, yeah. it's it's 
eighteen hundred dollars to to get one on one of the outside things where nobody says you go inside yep. and it's up to ten fifteen grand. But see, I, I, but it all goes to holding the park together. Put put that in the scheme of what what does a gravestone cost? I reckon you'll find it's probably not too much different if you spend oh, ten, I, I ten would, grand plus. Yeah, I would. So like I, would, you know, we got married under the the fig tree in in Mandra or something, and you know, again, I don't know how the city of Mandra would feel about this, but if I die. You know, throw my ashes out there somewhere and put a nice bench in a good spot and don't go and sit next to a grave and feel bad. Go and go and sit down and enjoy the view and if you want to think about me, do it there. But I I just um yeah, I, as I say, I, I'm I'm practical to a fault at times and I just don't think it's um I, I just don't think it's helping anyone. I'd you know. well, if you let if let Ricky and I sort out your funeral we'll say we'll get a for sale sign on your grave, put it in there and go, Gareth sold. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, look, you know, and, and I, I love what I do, but I, I certainly don't want to be defined by, uh, by real by estate. I think I'd like to think I'm I'm more than that. But um yeah, it's a it's a it's a funny thing, isn't it? And um I think actually we've got a we've got a private group which Ricky's a part of. We um, I'm a tragic for music and um, I love some eclectic taste in music and some pretty heavy stuff as well. And I always think, so we drive into a, to an appointment to see a lovely old couple and I'll have, you know, something heavy on and I sort of think to myself, if, if some of the clients knew what I was listening to, I don't know if they'd like me so much, but it's, um, I think I, I shared, it was, um, it was Fade by Carnival. Yeah. And I shared that and I said, when the time comes, Tune. don't, you know, don't feel bad, have a beer, hang out with your mates, put this music on, smile, you know. Life's good. Smile and wave, boys. Smile yeah. and wave. Yeah, man. Life is for the living, isn't it? It definitely is. It's, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's really, it's, fuck, it's coming for all of us. That's the, that's the part. You just that's, don't know when. And, and if it is lights it, out, big sleep, well, fuck me. Let it come. Make your awake as, as good as it can be, you know. Have as much fun. And do shit you enjoy. People get stuck in these stupid fucking jobs. Mm. For you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, and you get this, like you said, uh, our mutual friends, it's this small amount of time, and then you're just waiting to do the same shit tomorrow. Yeah, can't wait. It. We can't wait. Well, I think that'll do us. Thank you very much, sir. I'm, for I'm going to get home to my wife and child, yeah, children. Yeah, yeah yep. that's it. It's been great having you down, yeah, mate. It's really fantastic. Our inaugural yeah. victim, and Thanks, guys. Uh, it's worked, worked out great. So, Thanks awesome. very much, guys. Uh, look, I will just chuck it in there. As always, find us on the socials, uh, Instagram, Facebook. We're even tw- we're on the Twitter. We're not tweeting, but we're there. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, and please find us on the on the Facebook group. Uh, Let's figure this out. Tribe, join us. I got the mug in front of me. Uh, like-minded people, chuck some questions in there. Chuck some ideas in there. Let's get the discussion happening, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Sweet. Bye. See ya. Cheers, guys.